0: Got it on my heart I might uh, talk about this sometime soon but I had a chance to work with a man years ago who uh, was a marine and I started asking him with a purpose in my question started asking him about how well he knew his weapon and oh he he brightened up. He started talking about ripping it down, tearing it apart, taking every piece down, putting it back together, being able to do it blindfolded. He said we had a little bit of a, almost like a prayer, he, his words, not mine, almost a prayer that we would say every night about how there are many rifles, but this one's mine. And uh, he said uh, he went on and on about the importance of how how much it would become a part of him. And I think you know where I'm going with this because I was asking that him that thinking you know what we need to know our Bible God's given us a sword of the Spirit God's given us the strength and the stability of His Word in our lives and without it we're lost we're vulnerable to the attack of the enemy and if you pay attention at all you will see that the Bible tells us about our day when there would be a famine not of bread and water, but of hearing the Word of the Lord. And so many people are so casual about getting into the Word. But that's not our way. That's not our. That's not wise, praise God. So I thank God for people that are digging in even deeper today. And we're going to do that this morning, 1 Corinthians 15. If you have it, say amen. Father, we love You. Thank You for Your presence here today. Thank You for already the great things that we have heard and felt, God, in Your presence. God, I pray, Lord, that You would give us an ear to hear what Your Spirit would say. Let it sink down into our hearts and to receive it, God, that it would become a part of us. And that we would go forth from this house being doers of Your Word, not hearers only. God, work in us, I pray Your will. We give You the glory. Help me, Lord, I pray, with Your anointing to deliver Your heart. And help me, God, to stay out of Your way and what You are doing in this church. We give You the glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First Corinthians 15, verse 33 says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. God bless you. You can be seated. Well, the Bible is very clear that when God will save us and God will move into our lives, He... He he leads us, He guides us with His power, with His righteousness. And that every part of our life is, is now led by Him and empowered by Him. We, before we come to God, we are doing our best. Some of us probably thought, you know, I'm not such a bad person. I'm not like a lot of these that are out here uh, doing so many evil things. You know, I'm a lot better than some other guy. But the Bible says we're all sinners in the sight of a holy God and that we need His salvation to be born again, to be new creations, creatures in Christ. That our best, like someone already quoted, is really filthy rags to a holy God. We can't clean ourselves up enough. We need God to put His righteousness in us. Sadly, there's a lot of people that go to church and they, they say that, but, but it's still just going to church and trying our best. But God will fill you with His power. And He will give you His strength to, to be right and to do right part of that shines through our lives with our speech, our words. There's a lot in the Bible that uh, talks about how uh, how we talk and the power that is in our words. If you think back, you know how it. we've heard it as young people to just try, you know, parents and teachers try to tell us so that we... Uh, try not to have hurt feelings and they'll say, you know, sticks and stones break our bones, but words can't hurt you. But we found out that they lied. That some of the words that have been spoken into our lives carry weight. And that sometimes people carry wounds in their lives because of the power, the Bible says, of life and death that's in the tongue. As we read this Scripture, I've got some place to go, and I, uh, I don't know that I'm going to be able to finish it today, but uh, we read this idea of corrupt communication. And we see that... Uh, maybe uh, turn with me to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. I-, I love that as I preach to you today... Then I'm not laying out a rule or a law to you that says you better watch how you talk. But I'm telling you that if you have God's presence inside of you, that it will change your heart, and that's where your words come from. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Amen. People say, well, nobody knows my heart but God. But you give your... Self away sometimes by the way you speak. Amen. I'm not talking about just trying your best. I'm talking about an experience where God moves in and now all of a sudden you don't talk like you used to talk. Right. Say, are you talking about those naughty words, four letter words? Oh, that and a whole lot more. Amen. Not only filthy communication. But your, your, your speech will be changed from someone who is who maybe some of you were very discouraged and depressed. And all of a sudden now, you've got hope. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Where once you were always seeing the wrong, and, and we might talk about this tonight some, just, just uh, oh, I, I know people, and I know uh, they might see, my and you talk and find fault in others. But now, you care about people you want to see the best in people. And that's how you talk. Amen? Look at Ephesians 4, verse 21. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I won't take my time. I've got a place to go here, and I'm not going to hold you very long today, but I... Uh, I want you to know that uh, one place we need to look at our lives if we're going to examine ourselves is our speech. Yeah. Because that is expressed, but it comes from some Somebody say, oh, I'm sorry, that just slipped out. It slipped out. Something yeah. ugly, something corrupt, something nasty slipped out. Well, then you better get it out of your heart. Yeah. Right. Yes, You're telling on yourself, I need to make sure... That my heart is right. right. Amen. Whenever I pray, and I say, "God, I want to speak kind words. I want to speak. I want to speak words that edify. I want to speak words like you said that minister grace. Yeah, you know what grace is? It's favor that people don't deserve. Right. You you just uh, you just have, are filled with God's spirit. God's full of grace, yeah, that's right. not corrupt communication. So when I'm saying God, I know what the Bible says that every Jesus said every idle word right. is going to be. You're going to be judged for that. Right. You can't just say, "Oh, I was just joking." But well, on Judgment Day, you're going to find out if if the Lord thought it was funny. Yes. Oh, I didn't really mean it. You're going to find out how God thought it was serious. Yes, Amen. So when I'm praying for my own words, and because it is so much in the Bible, yeah. I stop, stop myself and say, okay, God, it's not really my tongue that needs the, you to, to the examination. It's my heart, isn't it? Yeah. So if there's anything in my heart that is causing me to say things that yeah. that I shouldn't that shouldn't be there, that I that, that God take that out of me. Amen. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Amen. You say, well, what does corrupt mean? Yeah. yeah, well, we got to find out what God thinks that means. Yeah. You know what I think? You know, everybody has this deal. Oh, well, the religion I believe, uh, your religion isn't going to save you. Your 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 ideas aren't right. aren't go, are going to be brought up yeah. before God. You know, God's saying, you know, I, I thought I had a really good idea about how to save people and, and you know, just kind of take us from this world into the next world. But what were your ideas? <laughs> I really would like to know because sometimes, you know, I just have so much going on. I might have, no, he's not going to ask our opinion about right. it. Right? Right. So I think the, the way to look at this is see what God says we should be saying. Ministering grace, edifying. Build one another up. That takes some, some, some care. That takes some, some, some effort to stop and say, you know what, I should be saying things that can bless, that can help, that can strengthen. I know you got a lot of battles. You start winning those battles. And start telling, telling people, building up their faith. Building up their faith. Strengthening people. Think about it. Look at your life. Look at yourself. Listen to what you say. Colossians 3, verse 8 says, Now put off these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. It says, put it off. You haven't even got there yet. I already read it. Put it off. Filthy communication. Put it off. Stop. Say, well, how do I do it? Just stop. Just stop doing it. And look at God and say, okay, God, I need you to fill my heart with something that isn't filthy. I think it has a lot to do with what we fill our minds with. Things you're listening to, the things you're watching. It's going to fill your heart. Somebody says, well, I feel like I said some things I shouldn't have said. Well, uh, are, what are you allowing into your heart and in your mind? Maybe it's getting in there more than you realize. Yeah, right. Some of you say, "Well, I work around a lot of people that talk filthy all day." Well, I, I've been there. You know what you do? You gotta, you gotta keep your mind and your heart guarded at those times. You're praying throughout the day. I, I've worked in in uh, different kind of factory and warehouse settings off and on uh since i've i've been a, been a kid and uh here not very long ago i was in a situation i mean i've been around the world and and you know, it's just uh you know we're not to be in this world being judgmental we're here to be a light right, amen. but here not too long ago i had a a side job and and was with somebody, I thought I had been around the just the most coarse, rough, and filthy people, but this this young person felt like uh, well they they broke some records, I guess they not the kind of records you want to break, but you know what we tried to be a friend, tried to be a uh kind, but inside in my heart constantly just praying and asking God, I don't want that in my heart. You hear it all the time. Sometimes you let your guard down and and after a while you're saying things at a bad moment you don't you shouldn't be saying. And uh so you pray. You call on Jesus. You believe his promises. You take time to fill your heart and your mind with pure things. And uh you know the Bible says and, and, and as we look at our text, we're going to keep digging a little bit deeper. It says corrupt communication, or evil communication, rather, corrupts good manners. Yeah. James, we're not going to turn to it, but James 3, I think a lot of us are familiar with it. If you want to read that later, it'd be helpful. Bible talks about our speech and our words. And talks about the tongue being an unruly member, Right? And it's a little thing, like a little fire. Can you imagine somebody uh, looking over and seeing in one of the corners of this room a a fire? And somebody said, ah, don't worry about it. It's just a little fire. How much damage can just a little fire do? Uh Right? Right? But the Bible tells us, obviously, that just like a small fire can destroy because it's going to grow. It's going to affect its surroundings. That that little member in your in your mouth can can cause a lot of trouble. Right. Can cause a lot of trouble for you. Yeah. How many times has have, have your words got you in trouble? Say, well, I've tried to do something right and I meant right, but but what I said was was foolish. Yeah. Yeah. And. Um, or, or other people's words. No matter, uh, you, you have to understand that sometimes good intentions aren't enough. We tell you all the time, it's not in your Bible. The principles are there, but kind of an old grandmom's wisdom says, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. It matters what you say. You can't just say, well, I didn't really mean it, and then the house is on fire. Everybody took it so seriously, but what you said, I've here many, many times, and I know please don't feel insecure about it because our language sometimes, our communication at best is sometimes so weak, but people say, yeah, you, well, you knew what I meant, and honestly all I know is what you've said. Yeah, right. I can't only guess what you meant by things, so I, I'm just going to listen and pay attention and maybe ask some questions to find out and and. and That's how we communicate. But sometimes if we're careless, we can cause a lot of damage. But listen, your words will guide your life. If you don't get a hold of what's in your heart, and this is, we're getting even closer to where we're going here. The words that you speak in James 3, it talks about the helm of a ship. You can have a huge boat, but comparing it to what is used to steer that boat. God says that helm of the ship is very small compared to the, 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 the size of that ship. The same way that your tongue is a small member of your body, but the same way that helm will guide that ship in the direction of that ship. You will not see a negative, angry, Discouraging, tearing down, uh, person that talks that talk with a blessed life. Already you've probably got in your mind the idea of that person. It's how sad it is to realize that there's probably people that we have, uh, know, uh, maybe even our families or somebody that we've worked with. It just seems like, you know, they, they don't seem like they're happy if they're not complaining. That's not a blessed life. That is not a blessed life. And it will lead you, the more you speak, we're not talking about something just so much magical, if you will, but, but, but it will guide your life. There's power of life and death. And the more you speak doubt, the more you speak fear, the more your life will be turned in the wrong direction. Amen. Oh, Brother Bob, always talking about the Word and talking about the Word and praying about the Word. Yeah. That's going to guide your life. Yes, sir. It's, not a, it's not a coincidence. Oh, wow, I just I always seems so on top of things. Yeah. hmm. The Word is going to take you in the right direction. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. Yes, it's going to give you victory in your life. Yes, sir. The horse's bridle in James 3. That... Massive strength that's in a horse, but yet that bridle is going to turn the head of that uh, that uh, that animal, and then and then change its direction. God said, "That's your words. That's what you're saying. It's going to change your life. If you, hey, listen. If you have a life that's just constantly down, and, and there, look at this." Look at what it says. When God changes you, the Bible says even a child is known by the words it speaks. Right? And a fool's voice is known by its words. You're going to be seen as wise. Sometimes being wise, according to the book of Proverbs, is just knowing when to shut your mouth. I don't know what to say then stop. (laughs) Well, you know, I didn't know what to say, so I just kind of let this... Well, that was not wise. But you know what? If you didn't know what to say, and maybe you just stopped right there according to the Bible, people might have sat back and said, they're just so wise. (laughs) Because you knew when not to speak. So much good teaching about our words and our tongue in the Bible. But, as we look at our text, it demands that we look at its context. This is not just Paul stepping aside from a thought and saying, you know what? By the way, when you don't talk right, it's going to Corrupt your behavior as well. There is a context of what Paul is talking about, and how it is applied to the life of a Christian. Every bit of what we've told you is is Bible teaching about saying the right words, and and, and there's victory in uh, in the promises of God. And there's there's hope in in in, in when we talk faith and have, have words that line up with God's Word and God's promise. It is a sword of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 15 is all about the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 is all about the importance of this doctrine of how Jesus rose from the dead. Not only died on the cross and was buried, but after three days and three nights He rose again. This whole chapter is dealing with how important that is. That Jesus died and rose again. And because He defeated death openly, we have hope that we can be with Him for eternity. That because of what He did, we have victory. The Bible says if you read through this chapter that if Jesus died on the cross and that was the end of the story, it would give us no hope except that we could be better in this life but for a short period of time live our lives as Christians but then one day die and that was it. And He said because of that lack of hope of something beyond something better we are would be of men most miserable so we understand that Jesus died but rose again and openly declared victory over death over our sins and over the penalty of sin which is death now we have victory in him over death that because of what he did hallelujah we have we have hope hallelujah Look at what it says there in 1 Corinthians 15 at the very end, chapter 15, verse 51. says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. What we are today... Uh, I believe Paul talks about it in, in, in the book of Romans. There's this, there's this uneasiness. There's a homesickness. We see all the hate. We see all the division. We, and we feel all the aches and pains, and we think, God, there's got to be something more than this. I don't believe there is the first atheist that is living that doesn't think there's got to be more than this. And there is. The Bible says we're going to be changed. We are going to put on a resurrected body, the Bible says. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Yeah. Oh, death, where is thy sting? You almost, Paul is just through God's Spirit just just kind of bursting out and in, 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 uh, just poetically, just, just getting excited about it. Where's your sting, death? Right. Grave, where's your victory? Right. He says the sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Now listen. Knowing that we have hope that we have victory over sin, we have victory over death. Right. Therefore, yeah. therefore, knowing what we just said about how death does not have victory over us, look what it says, it affects how we live now. Yeah. Right. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast yeah. and unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So look at what he's saying. Because of what we teach, because of what we preach that Jesus rose from the dead, because of what we know we believe and we tell people, hey, you can have victory in your life. And death is not going to be a final enemy, but it is a defeated enemy that we can be steadfast and unmovable. That we can have help and hope in our time of need. That when our worst battle is coming against us, we've got strength because we know our greatest enemy is defeated. And it causes us to live in a way that is victorious. We don't live defeated. We don't live worried. We don't live... I hear your testimony so often when you see the news and all the things going on. Hey, we've got heaven to look forward to. Hey, we're on our way to glory. Hey, we've got nothing to be afraid of. God is going to take care of us. That's why Paul said, I fought a good fight. Paul said, I finished my course. I kept the faith. I'm not worried what man can do. How can I be afraid of what man can do unto me? I'm walking with God. Amen. Knowing that the teaching, the preaching that Jesus rose from the dead, knowing and believing that in our hearts causes our behavior, our faith to be affected. And that we live our lives, get up in the morning not feeling like everything is futile and pointless and, and what, why even bother. But we know we can be steadfast and unmovable. We can always be abounding in the work of the Lord because we know that our life and the trials of our life, there's something so much bigger than that. So let me say it to you this way. The preaching, the preaching of The resurrection will cause you to live a life of victory. Amen? Amen. What is Paul saying when he says corrupt, or or, yes, um, corrupt evil communications rather, corrupt good manners? In the midst of what he's talking about, he's saying there are some that are preaching false doctrine in his day then. Some were saying there is no resurrection. Some were saying Jesus did not rise from the dead. And therefore, you're not going to rise from the dead. Amen. And that is a major part of what this chapter is talking about. False teachers. False doctrine. Calling themselves Christians, I suppose. But saying that the resurrection is not... A fact, and it's not going to happen. And you know what Paul says? Be careful. That kind of evil communication is going to affect your living, your behavior, your lifestyle. The same way believing and knowing and speaking and preaching that Jesus rose from the dead and our lives are not going to end at the grave will affect how you live your life day by day. The wrong kind of preaching, the wrong kind of doctrine is going to affect you in a negative sense. It's going to corrupt you. It is going to affect your lifestyle. When you don't Hear right, you know what it says? Faith comes by hearing Romans the tenth chapter, hearing by the Word of God, and it says that 's how our faith comes yeah, that's right. How can we believe if we haven 't heard and how can we hear without the preacher preaching to us, but if the preacher's preaching to you false doctrine it 's going to affect not only your 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 doctrine it 's going to affect your lifestyle, yeah. evil communications is what he 's talking about. Right is not so much filthy talking or but he's talking about if somebody's preaching to you the wrong thing, it's going to affect your behavior, it's going to affect your life yeah, right. I want to tell you today that's what I see in this world today right. I see a life well look at, it, look at what it says here in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, back up to verse uh, 12. If Christ be preached that He rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? They're saying that. They're saying things that were were evil communications. How can you say that? But if there be no resurrection dead, then Christ is not risen. Christ is not risen. Then our preaching is vain. And your faith is also in vain. Yea, we are found false witnesses of God. Because we've testified of God that He raised up Christ. Whom He hath raised not up, if so be the dead raised not. If you drop down to verse 32, he talks about some that are fighting great persecution in Ephesus. Some were even being thrown into the, the, uh, the Colosseum there in Rome. And different barbaric practices of persecution against Christians. And look what it says. If after the manner of men I have fought at the beast of Ephesus, what advantage is it? What advantage is it me if the dead raise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. He said, if I don't believe there's life beyond my death, then what point is there of doing right? It will affect the decisions I make today. If I don't believe right... If I believe the evil communications of the false doctrine of no resurrection, it will cause me to live in a way that is careless with my life because why do I care? I'm just going to die anyway. What you believe is going to affect how you live. That is why we have to stand against false teachings, false doctrines, unbiblical teachings, as evil communications because you can see all around you people with a weak idea of what it means to be a Christian. Right. A modern, weak, motivational speech, rock concert event does not preach the true gospel will yield no power. That's right. yeah. These men and women were able to stand up like Paul and say, you know what? I fought a good fight. Amen. I'm not going to step down. These people in the first century, they stood against knowing their preachers were put in in prison, their brothers and sisters were being stoned, and they stood up and said, I'm a child of God, and I I am so honored to be counted worthy to suffer for the kingdom of God. Why are Christians so weak today? Why? I know we get battled. Don't get me wrong. People are just so ready to give up over... Not being stoned. Not being imprisoned. But somebody looked at me the wrong way. Somebody said something wrong. And now I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to stop. And I'm ready. Hey, these men and women fought to the end. What is it? I'll tell you what it is. It's false teaching. False teaching. When you come up with an idea that there is this unbiblical idea of what it really means to be a Christian when it's all about us when it's all about our uh, maybe just having the right kind of attitude rather than having a right experience with God that yeah. brings joy unspeakable oh, yeah. and full of glory hallelujah look what it says in the book of acts turn with me to book of acts and we're going to we're not going to spend a whole lot more time this morning time's just flying by but i want to look at some things that are really fundamental Bible principles of what it means to be a Christian. What it really means to call yourself a follower of Jesus. To be saved. That some people that have been going to churches their whole life, sometimes people in in, in mega churches, never even saw that, never heard it one time preached to them. When Jesus died... And He was buried. He rose again. He met with the disciples. The Bible says showing them many infallible proofs that He was still alive. Showed them that He had beaten death for them. Showed them that when He cried on the cross, it is finished. That it truly was finished. And these disciples, if you are familiar with the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They did some pretty great things, but they seemed like they kind of were a bumbling group of, of, of men that just seemed like sometimes they couldn't get it right. But Jesus told them after He rose again, said, I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to go and wait. tarry. Terry, it says. Wait for the promise of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God that's going to fill you. And let me just tell you, when that happened that day, there was a transformation. In Peter, James, and John, and the rest of them that were gathered there, no longer were they denying that they knew Jesus. No longer were they fussing about who is greater. But there was something powerful that happened that day. When God stepped out from behind the veil and started pouring out His Spirit into a New Testament blood-bought church. Now, the gospel of a resurrected Savior was being preached. And you will see it beginning here in Acts, the second chapter. The Holy Ghost is poured out on that day of Pentecost. It's noise abroad, what's happening there. And they gather in and Peter stands up and starts preaching to them. Verse 37, they heard what he was saying. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. Oh, we can just stop right there for a moment and tell you that that so often that is the, the last thing a modern day people-pleasing preacher wants to do let anybody feel uncomfortable challenge them in any way but when Peter got done preaching that anointed message boldly filled with the power of God people were pricked in their hearts they were challenged these people were there for a religious feast day they were there for a religious observance they felt like they were doing pretty good but when Peter got done preaching about Jesus they felt conviction they felt challenged Thank God, this time in the Bible, it's not like that all the time. Right. They didn't get angry and upset and say, who do you think you are? Right. What right do you have to judge me? No, they heard it and they were convinced. Yeah. I'm missing something. Right. There's something in my life. I, I'm going through the motions, but there's a, there, there's a separation. There's, a, there, there's, there's not this connection that I know God wants for me. Right. And they're pricked in their heart. And they respond to Peter... And to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? Brother was talking about God digging in. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. It's all right. Sometimes it's 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 a battle to to dig into some things you don't want to you you tried to bury that over you try to uh, try to convince yourself for years that that's not who you are and now you've got to look at it and own it and say god help me be merciful to me oh, yes. Yes. it takes courage yes. to be honest and say I, I i'm not what i thought i was i need help what shall i do it takes courage it takes courage to be able to say, hey, you know what, it's not, not time to blame anybody else or tell you about what my parents did or this, this church did. God, what do I need to do? They're pricked in their hearts. It's amazing. I, I, I've made the comparison so often. When we're serious about trying to, to get well to go through so many tests and so many things that are so uncomfortable there've been days that I've had things done in that I said, "Oh God, help me get through this." But, you know something? God is looking at our soul now and we say, "Well, get me the get me the preacher that'll tell me smooth things, things that I want to hear, things that make me happy. Throw a band-aid on it. Don't make me uncomfortable." That's uh that's not what you'll see in your Bibles. Right? There's a wicked king that was collaborating one day with, with, a, with a righteous king and, and they wanted to hear from God and, and Ahab said, I've got all kind of preachers. I've got all kind of preachers. You want to hear what God has to say? And all these preachers come in and start saying, "Conquer, or you shall uh, overcome, and you're going to, you're, you're going to win, and, and God's for you." And they go to the Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat said, uh, "Don't you have anybody else? Something's just not jiving with my spirit here." All right. And so we. And you know what Ahab said? There is one other one, but he never says nice things to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's my least favorite preacher. Yeah. And they went to the prophet and said, "Hey, everybody else said he's going to conquer. Get in there and tell them what we tell them." That's what happens a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. Collaborations to try to just deceive, to, to to bring in the money, to bring in the right. make everybody feel good. But yeah. but Micaiah, he said, "I'm going to just hear from God." Right. Yeah. Can I tell you something? Sometimes it takes. It takes that, that uncomfortableness to get down beneath the surface into some things where the problem really lies. They were pricked in their hearts and they said, what do we, what do we have to do? Peter did not say, repeat this prayer after me. And ask Jesus to come into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. He didn't say that. He didn't say join this church and be a member. Right. Amen. Right. He didn't say do something. What shall we do? Come on. There's nothing to do. Come on. Just believe. Come on. Peter said what Jesus taught him. That's right. What Jesus said after He rose from the dead, that repentance and remission of sins will be preached in all the world in My name. Peter says to this crowd of thousands, repent. Repent. When you believe wrong, oh, it's, it's just... It's just a matter of belief. It's not a life-changing experience where you turn away from an old life and turn fully to God with sorrow in your heart for the life that you lived in sin. Oh, don't worry about that. Don't think about that. Just, 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 Just say you believe. Just make a confession. Peter said repent. That's right. It will affect the victory that you have in your life. Yeah. If you don't know what the Bible teaches about what it means to be a Christian. Second Corinthians. Let me turn to this. We're gonna, we're gonna wind this down and pick this up later next week, Lord willing. Second Corinthians 7. I use this scripture quite often. It's a scripture about repentance. Now it is a scripture about repentance to a believer that was sinning. Sinning so much that Paul said, you really need to separate that from the church until he's ready to repent if he's not ready to repent of sin then that's just going to corrupt the, the presence of God in your services so there needs to be um, something done there but you know what happened it wasn't a dictator it was just somebody who loved God and loved God's people and wanted to keep the sheep safe from sin And that person that sinned, repented. And look what Paul says about it. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 9. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. I wonder how many times people say, I'm sorry, but there's no real sorrow. Words matter words matter. To be sorry means I feel sorrow for hurting you. I feel sorrow for going the wrong direction, for failing. The Bible says you were made sorry, but you sorrowed to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing. See, when you can recognize that just like when the doctor goes in with some of the maybe 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 the needle and the the sharper instruments and things that are uncomfortable, when the Spirit of God through the preaching of the Word starts to make you feel uncomfortable, it's not to receive damage. That's right. It's to dig down to places that the Spirit of God's trying to get that infection of sin out, yeah. trying to take out the things that have been holding you back, the things that have kept you from victory in your life. Paul said, I made you sorry and I'm not excited about that, but I did that not that you would receive any damage by us. He said that you might receive damage by us in nothing. But look at this. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. When you come to the cross and see what your sins did and what kind of price it took to pay for your sins. It ought not be a shallow, emotionless event. If you see the the horror that your sin caused and what it took to pay the price for that, real repentance means you're going to tell God, I'm sorry for my sins. I can't pay the price. But I look at you and what you've done for me and I'm sorry for my sins and I'm I turn away from them. See, to believe to have the right kind of teaching, the right kind of communication, it's going to affect your lifestyle, your behavior. It's going to cause you when you have the cross preached to you like these men in Acts the second chapter and women in the Acts the second chapter, they said, "Oh, what should I do?" And he said, "Repent." godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. Not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Listen to this. Here's what the right kind of preaching, the right kind of doctrine about sin caused in the church. For behold, verse 11, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 11, for behold what this selfsame thing that you sorrowed after, a godly sorrow, sor- what carefulness it wrought in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves. Yea, what indignation. Yea, what fear. Yea, what vehement desire. Yea, what zeal. Yea, what revenge. In all things, you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Where are Christians today living a separated lifestyle from sin? Saying, I don't want to be near it. I don't want, to, I don't want it to be, have even a hint of it in my life because I've, I, I've turned away from that. Yes, amen. Christians today are living a weak Lifestyle, vulnerable to failing, falling, never really having the victory that they can have in their lives because of the corrupt communication, the evil communication of false doctrine. Because people aren't being told, God hates sin, but He's going to save you from it. And when He does, the Son is going to make you free, he's going to make you free indeed. You're not going to even be recognized by your past life. If people are going to wonder, you used to be depressed. You used to be full of anger. You used to be full of that sin. Oh, not you. No way. But because repentance was preached to you. Because someone told you turn away from sin, be sorry for it, and turn to God. Peter said, Repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Let's bow our heads in prayer. This salvation message is beautiful. A message that tells you that sin was separating you from God. But Jesus came to take your sin on that cross. I know you've heard it. But listen, listen again. Because when you recognize that your sin was the reason Jesus came and died that brutal death on Calvary, and the preacher stands up and says, Repent. Be sorrowful for your old life and turn to Jesus for a new life. affect it'll affect your life you won't you will no longer justify well nobody's perfect Everybody sins you'll no longer be comfortable stumbling and thinking it's no big deal but as you live your life and we'll talk more about this Lord willing again next week you will live your life being conscious of that and saying God I'm sorry I'm sorry for my my sin. And you'll take it seriously. False teaching today. Evil communication. Has corrupted good manners. People that have said repentance is not for today. They're saying it. They're preaching it. Repentance is a is a work of our flesh. No, no, no. Repentance is a response to the gospel. Faith without works, James said, is dead, but a life that says, I hear what you said for me. I hear what you've done for me, God, and I turn. Today, I want to tell you, if you'll turn from your sins and tell God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. I need... I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for my past life. Save me and give me that new life. Lord, give me the strength to walk and live close to You. We'll bury that old life. We'll take that life and put it under the water in Jesus' name according to the Scripture. Buried with Him. In baptism, buried with Christ, and God will fill you with His Holy Ghost. People live in their lives today defeated. People live in their lives today. But listen, God's got victory for you. God's got victory for you. This altar's open if you care to come pray. find, Talk to God today. Talk to God. Lord, my old life.